0: Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton.
1: It is Wednesday, February 28th, 2024, season 19, episode number 114. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break Life in the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Brian is on his final week of hiatus. Uh, he's out covering the, uh, the Rangers out in Surprise, Arizona, but he will be back next week, but for this week we are holding it down we got Amber Patrick here uh, we got a lot to talk about there are uh, some uh, some things that have been happening around the NFL scouting combine some different things we've heard in some interviews we're going to react to some of that stuff and uh, then we're going to get into free agency as we uh, mentioned last week we're going to talk about the vast list uh, of Cowboys players that will be free agents uh, when free agency begins on the 11th, I think it is. Is that the tem- tampering period? Tampering Legal tampering. Right. And the actual free agency starts 14th? On the 13th. 13th. 13th at 4pm Eastern Time is when pen can meet paper. I love having a reporter on our show. It's yeah. it's awesome. He doesn't read, but that's okay. That's a different story. We'll talk about that at a different Inside time. Inside joke, folks. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Alright, so let's, let's jump in. I do want to start, though, with uh, some of the comments that we've been hearing out of the Scouting Combine. We have a couple of people down there. Patrick Walker, I'm sorry, not Patrick Walker. <laughs> Nick behind. Harris. Yeah, right. Traditionally right. Patrick Walker. But Nick, Nick Harris Nick and uh, Nicole uh, are out there covering the uh, scouting combine. Uh, they and a, a couple other people from the media, local media, caught up with Stephen Jones. And the first thing that he said that was interesting to me was uh, in regards to Trayvon Diggs, DeMarvion, Overshone. Uh, he said it's more realistic to recover that they recover uh, will, will they will recover in time for training camp rather yes. than OTAs. But um, it's a good chance that they will not end up being on pup. It looks like they would be ready uh, for the open of training camp. Here's the question I have for you guys because obviously that's great news for the Cowboys yes, that they can get those guys back soon. Does that change anything about how you look at this off season um, with regards to the cornerback position and the linebacker position on what you think you need to do? knowing that you'll have those guys back, or do you look at it like, I don't even think about it as having those guys back. I have to address those positions.
2: I think when it comes to Trayvon Diggs, you do look at it as having a guy back. Uh, I mean, because you look at what he's been able to do in the league and for the Cowboys since he's been here. So uh, I think the the attack that should happen for the (laughs) cornerback core should be you're trying to obviously – get Stefan Gilmore back in the building. You make a decision on Jordan Lewis. If you lose one or both of those guys, then, yeah, you start looking into the open market to see what you can get there. Uh, I saw that Jerry Snead just got tagged. But you have other guys like Xavier Howard, if that release goes through, and some other you know high-quality names that are out there. When it comes to DeMarvion Overshone, though, you have to approach it as if he's not coming back. Not to say that he isn't because he is, but I say it in the aspect of this is a rookie who was redshirted last year, hasn't taken a single regular season NFL snap, yet so not only is he recovering from a torn acl but he also has the added uh, level of difficulty of trying to get that nfl curve behind him that learning curve shorten his learning curve so because you don't know what overshone can be at the nfl level just yet very impressive training camp very impressive preseason before he went down against seattle with that torn acl but you don't know what you have there yet so you have to approach the linebacker core as if in, in, with that in mind, you don't know. But you do know with Trevon Diggs. The only thing that's the question Mark on Diggs is how quickly can he get back to form. But you know what his top form looks like. With Overshone, you just don't know yet.
3: Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. My thing is, I just hope that the Cowboys don't address this as... I feel like with the Cowboys, history has shown, and we know that they usually like to take risks on... People that are coming back with injury, and and by that I mean they trust the process and they think they're good with whatever guy that's coming off of an injury, and they trust that. And sometimes that's that doesn't work out. Sometimes, and we've seen it happen multiple times. So I just hope that they do go into this offseason, oh, free agency. I mean, and address some of those positions. Like he said, I totally agree. Overshawn, he's a guy that he showed us in the preseason some of the things that he can do, and we're all excited to see him back and see him on the field. But at the same time, he doesn't have that kind of experience, and we don't know. Sometimes it takes guys a whole nother season in order to get back into the form. So he still has a lot to, to learn and go through. Like you said, Diggs, he's an experienced guy, but you still have to address the cornerback position. We have two key players on defense that are about to become free agents, and what does that look like for the Cowboys? So I do agree, go in, you have to address both positions, specifically linebacker. That's a huge issue right now. We still don't know what the future holds for Leighton Van Der Esch. It keeps mm-hmm. sounding like he might be retiring mm-hmm. and putting an end to his career because of the neck injury. But... That's a, that's a big concern, so I would say go in and address both.
2: I'll, I'll even add this to it, and 100% on all points there, Ambert. Even if DeMarvion Overshone, even if you wanted to assume DeMarvion Overshone is going to be able to reach top form quickly, and um, top form also indicates that he can hit the ground running and have a breakout season as a rookie that's a great challenge to have, but it's a challenge for him nonetheless. You still need to go full steam at approaching the linebacker position in both free agency and the draft, because assuming DeMarvion Overshone is everything you want him to be, and DeMarvion Clark takes that next step, you still only have tr- two true linebackers not named Buddy
1: Johnson who's on a Futures Deal practice squad. Uh, so no knock to Buddy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny thing is when you say Buddy Johnson, a lot of fans out there probably said he was just making a, like a random statement yeah, no, just no. randomly <laughs> Buddy Johnson, but there literally, literally. is a Buddy Johnson. Buddy the yeah, there's science. a Buddy Johnson. <laughs> and, yeah. and
2: no knock to Buddy Johnson. Yeah. No.
1: But Buddy Johnson
2: is not going to solve your linebacker problem. Yeah. You have to go into free agency and look at guys like uh, who, and we're talking expiring contracts assuming that these contracts are not extended
1: prior to... Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. There you go. We are on the media side we're of the building, the not side. on the football so side of the So if you're building.
2: talking about guys Man. like Bobby Wagner, for example, these are the type of whales that you need to be entertaining to potentially add in free agency and then still understanding that if you add a whale in free agency at linebacker you still need to attack it in the draft as well. So regardless of where you think Overshown might land or might be in 2024? You still need to go full steam at that Trayvon Diggs in the cornerback situation. That's that's a bit different.
1: Yeah, but you know, I think both the points you guys are making is really, I think, where it's going. Which is, no matter what you think of their recovery. You still are potentially losing guys at those positions. Yeah. Whether it's LVE and maybe he retires, whether it's Gilmore at cornerback, whether it's Jordan Lewis at right. cornerback, you're still going to have a need uh, to, to to address those positions most likely. Even if both those guys come back completely healthy, Trayvon Diggs and uh, and and, um, and Overshawn, both of them still are going to. You're still going to need some more help. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I think it doesn't really change it much, in my opinion. And
3: I'm still sticking to that whole quote that Jerry Jones said, going all in, all in. And you mentioned the draft. I'm like, I'm not even thinking about the draft Mm -hmm. for at least like linebacker position. We know there are a lot of very good players that are about to hopefully become free agents. And and that's when I'm expecting and hoping that if they're really all in, that there is a big splash for the first time in a really long time where we see the Cowboys make that kind of move and put a lot of money. But but it is interesting when we start talking about the other contracts that they have to make, Dak, Micah, CD, when is that going to take place and all of that and how does the money look like for when you're trying to pay somebody else that's a huge player in the market.
2: Well, keep in mind, being all in can be uh, the totality of what you do in free agency. Go and get a couple whales in free agency, but also what you do with your premium picks in the NFL draft. Yeah. So, for example, uh, a CD Lamb at 17 that's an all-in pick. Even yeah. though I mean, you can look at it exactly as that. So, if you know this coming April, a situation like that were to happen, you know, respective to whatever player or position that can be seen, a first-round pick a Top second round pick; those those types of guys are expected to come in and hit the ground running immediately. Yes, we're seeing some struggles with the transitional Mozzie, slow burn on a schoolmaker because of the the foot issue that kept him out of training camp. But for the most part, when a team takes a player in first or second round, that's not a developmental guy. That's not a sixth or seventh rounder. We're spoiled by what spoiled by what Deron Bland has been able to do, and you've had some of these late, uh, like Donovan Wilson, sixth round pick, turns into a dynamic starter for you. But for the most part. Going all in first, second round, depending on what position and who you're taking, you could be it could be viewed as that. It just has to work hand in hand. So the Cowboys can't go all in in free agency and then look at the draft in first round, knowing that you need a starting left tackle, for example. You you skip over that, knowing that you need a linebacker, you skip over that, and a start a starting offensive tackle and you skip over center, like those are three positions, for example, that if none of those happen in the first round, regardless of what you did in free agency, I'm looking at you like, what are we what are we doing here? Because yeah. those players should come in and, and impact you as quickly as
1: 2024. Yeah, I'll hold judgment on what I think all in really means until we get past the off offseason. Yeah. I want to see what that looks like because yeah. it can have, a, like you said, it can have a lot of different meanings. And I think we all that what were listening to that wanted to hear, what we wanted to hear Correct. was that means free agency is going to open and we're going shopping. And we're going to get all the best players. Yeah. Like that's what I think everybody is like wanting that to be. I don't know if I think that's. What, I don't know if I believe that that's what's going to actually happen. We'll see. All I need we'll see when, one, when one
2: whale in free agency will convince me, or not not fully convince me, but that'll at least put me on the right track to say, okay, all right, I'm, I'm believing in what you're saying, present tense. Now let's see how you build on that with the remainder of your free agency moves, yeah. with mm-hmm. what you do in the draft. But if they get a whale, uh, at, especially at linebacker. Uh, in the first wave of free agency, then okay. Now, okay, but, just to but, so but, be clear, okay, you know,
1: on. go ahead.
3: Just, just so I'm clear, we're talking about whales, lines. but you talked about our in-house whales. Mm-hmm. So, yep, in-house the, whales. are you are you accounting that, or are you saying in-house whales plus okay, an extra so whale from, from w- the outside?
2: Wonderful question. I love you for asking. <laughs> the reason I, I love that is because what I want fans to understand is there are certain retentions that. I count as a whale, for example, uh, I count as whales as well. So if you get a big retention, let's say, for me, Donovan Wilson last year, was a re signing for yeah. the Cowboys. That was a huge reacquisition. So that counts for me. For some fans, it doesn't count because some fans only want to hear about who's coming in from outside of right. the building. You have to look at the in house free agents as high value targets as well because 31 other teams are going out. And they're these free guys. agents at that point. Correct. Yeah. 31 other teams are bidding against you for these guys. So they're high value. Donovan Wilson is a perfect example. So, Donovan Wilson, last year, That was a that's a whale that got retained. What I'm saying is in addition to that. So let's talk about this year. I don't know that there are any whales this year going into free agency outside of Doran Armstrong, but I don't think he's a whale. I think he's a big fish. Right. You want that big fish in this building. But if you compare that against the name like Dak Prescott, who's under contract, by the way, Micah Parsons, who's under contract, by the way, CeeDee Lamb, who's under contract, by the way. Technically, those three aren't set to hit free agency until next year or the year after anyway. So you can't really count them as whales being retained this year. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing you could do is look at those top three contracts and say, if I get Dak done right now, I'll save 20 million dollars against the cap. If I get CeeDee Lamb done right now. How does this help me work on getting Micah Parsons done, you know, in a few months or next offseason? So if we were having that conversation, this conversation this time next year, then I'd say keeping Dak, because you didn't, ex- if hypothetically you didn't extend him this year, next year he'd be entering free agency, keeping him massive free agency keep. Mm-hmm. But that's not today's conversation. But that's a great question, though.
1: But but I will that. say, I, and I, they may not be Wells, but I, I would look at a guy like uh, Gilmore and I would he say that's an, that is an important re-sign, in my opinion, because if you don't re-sign him, you better be going out and getting Mia well in, in in free agency or getting a, a, a cornerback high in the draft that can come in and immediately play well. Because as we saw last year, number one, you can't have too many cornerbacks. Yeah. You can't have too many good cornerbacks because injuries happen. But beyond that, I do think in today's NFL, having three good cornerbacks gives you an opportunity to be successful. And they didn't get the, the ability to really realize that as much last year. Uh, but can, can you imagine what it would have mm-hmm. been like last season if you had all three of the, your your top cornerbacks yeah. available to you? After what we saw from De- Deron Bland, I'm like, I want Gilmore back. Yes. Or someone of his caliber. By the way, if you if you got somebody else that you want to go with younger that you think can provide that same level of play, Great. But that's an important one for me. But given Maybe not a well, at, but a very important one.
3: Given where he's at in his career and yeah. his age and everything, do you think that they can work out like a team-friendly contract? I would and, hope so. I mean, Gilmore, what, you've, say.
1: what you've heard from yes. Gilmore in, in his yeah. – what he said publicly is that he wants to be here, that he enjoys being here. Um, and so from that standpoint, I would think that there's a way to do it. Now, I, I don't – This these whole – Team-friendly, I don't know if that necessarily exists anymore. I think at the end of the day, it's really more about like what does the player see as his value and what does the team see as his value. And if those things match up, then it works. Gilmore may be at the stage of his career where he understands, I'm not going to get a long-term deal. It's going to be a shorter-term deal. Um, I'm not going to be the top cornerback in the league. It's going to be you know a, a good contract. There are going to probably be some incentives in there. Um, there's probably going to be some outs in there. Um, and so I think when you look at it from that standpoint if if that all matches up to where his value of where he thinks he is, where the cowboys thinks he is, and quite and he, quite frankly, the other part to that, what the other thirty one teams in the league yeah. thinks he is, if all that stuff matches up, then great, I think he would want to come back if he and the cowboys see eye to eye on that., uh, but I don't know that there's a, a team friendly deal as much as it just is they got to see eye to eye on what they think the I value think what of I consider
3: is. team friendly quote yeah. unquote nowadays is um do I feel good about the deal? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what it really means. It's like, or do I feel like I'm overpaying or you're just taking advantage of my money? Uh, You know, like I I I just want to feel good about the deal. So that's more of how I see "Quote unquote team friendly." Yeah, I, I think yeah.
2: when it comes to a guy like Gilmore, um, he he came in and he loved the locker room right off the bat. Yeah. He loved the coaching staff right off the bat. Yes, there's been a coaching staff change as far as the coordinator and some things like that. But guess who's still here? Al Harris is still here. That's a relationship that's built that that matters. Um, we'll see what happens with the future of Jordan as well, which is a, a, a similar topic. But he sees the promise Gilmore does in DeRon Bland. He knows that Trevon Diggs is coming back, and knows he only got a couple games with Trevon Diggs last year before you know that tornado. He wants to see what this secondary can look like with him playing in tandem with Trayvon Diggs. That's something that he and Diggs talked about time and time again in last year's training camp. They were both excited. And keep in mind, they also have a pre-existing friendship from Trayvon um, going to Diggs uh, you know, weekly in the offseason, kind of watching film with him, asking him how can I, Trayvon Diggs, improve, so forth and so on. So when you, you know that exists and you know that um, Stefan Gilmore has come out recently and said I want to be back with the team I think as long as the offer is respectable then you don't have to outbid the other 31 teams you just have to put it on par on even keel with the other teams and I think that that'll give you the leverage to get Stefan back
1: I think one thing that'll be interesting to note before we take our break is I think in Washington and in Seattle you have guys that were formerly on this coaching yes, staff uh, for this defense I, that'll be interesting to me to see how many of these defensive players end up in Washington or Seattle. Mm-hmm. Because in both those areas, what you know about coaches, coaches like to go when they get to a new spot, they love to go and get players who understand the system mm-hmm. and what they're trying to do because they can, in effect, then be coaches on the field for them. So I, I do think that that's something we got to keep an eye on in this instance. you got two different teams that now have people in positions of authority uh, that can can maybe try to get some of these these defensive players. And I think that'll be very interesting Look, to keep an Look, real quick, eye.
2: Derek, before break, if Dan Quinn tried to raid the cabinet to get all your coaches, you better believe he's going to oh, try yeah. to come and get the players. Oh, yeah. And some of them I'm okay
1: with him taking. <laughs> yeah. Others I'm like, hey. Who are you, know? you okay with him taking? You want to hey. get there? I think we're going to get there when we talk <laughs> about free agency. We'll get there. All right, we'll talk about that when we come back. This is com Radio.
0: kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply back to the break
2: Register now for 2024 Dallas Cowboys Youth Camps presented by Invisalign. Athletes of all skill levels ages 6 to 16 are invited to learn from the best this summer at Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. Football camps are led by former NFL players and dance camps are taught by the current Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Register before May 17th to save $25. Visit DallasCowboys.com
1: camps. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break. It's live from your We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're talking about some uh, some statements and some news coming out of the NFL Scouting Combine that's happening all week this week. Uh, another statement that Je- that Stephen Jones had that I thought was interesting. He was talking about Tyler Smith and uh, and was talking about the possibility of him moving to left tackle. And oh. Yeah, well, this segment brought to you by blockchain.com. It's
2: the pity for me.
1: Yeah, I, honestly, I, I thought Chris was saying, I love this question that you're about to go. I love this idea of what this conversation is I think, about I think it have. was to serve yeah. both purposes. Anyway, uh, here was the quote. I like he money says, better. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the quote was, that remains to be seen. It's starting to feel like Larry Allen all over again. Tyler's got that in him, and he was talking specifically about his versatility and his ability. What do you think Tyron, Tyler Smith belongs, and where do you think he ends up?
3: Well, honestly, personally, at this point of his career, I know he's starting out and it's still very early, Mm -hmm. but based on everything that he has shown, I would defer more to Mm -hmm. putting him in that category. And I don't want to take him to the category of Tyron Smith or Zach Martin, but I feel that the work he's put in deserves for him to have a voice and opinion as to where he would prefer playing. Where does he feel more comfortable playing? And then I would go based on that because I, he, I think he can play both positions and I think he would be really good at both. But just going back to what I remember Zach Martin, when he was asked, to play tackle and Mm -hmm. him being like, hey, he did it. He was fine at it. But he didn't want to. But he didn't want to. And I'm not saying, again, and and I'm not saying because I'm maybe contradicting some of my opinions in the past where I think like you as a as a leader as the one in charge you have the voice to say hey this is where i need you and you better do it just do it this is what i'm asking you to do and what we're paying you for but at the same time i think he's reached that level in my opinion to where i think he deserves to be heard and decide exactly what position and then i would go from that point forward and decide okay what other what's the other do i need to address guard or do i need to address the tackle position
2: First of all, I'm sitting here thinking it's wild that we're already in year three of Tyler Smith. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that. Good grief. Okay. I feel like you keep him at left guard. Now over the course of last season with the carousel of injuries on the offensive line, I sat in the same seat and I said "The, the easiest solution, the best solution is to pop Tyler Smith out at left tackle whenever the absence of Tyron Smith came around. Yeah. And that that was the plan that would have worked in that aspect. Now, you fast forward, they were hell-bent. Mike McCarthy was hell-bent on keeping Ty- Tyler Smith at left guard. Okay. Well, now you're in the offseason, and you have an opportunity to address your left tackle situation. Now, what does the address mean to me? It means you bring back Tyron Smith to guarantee he's in uniform for 2024, but you also address it in the draft as well with a premium pick for the future. That's how you solve the left tackle equation and you allow Tyler Smith to remain where he is. Because if you truly want that Larry Allen arc, I get what Stephen is saying. Allen, on a couple of occasions, he popped out the left tackle. He was dynamic as well, just like Tyler was when he popped out as a rookie. That being said, the majority, the large majority of Larry Allen's dominance occurred at left guard. I think Tyler Smith can be an all-pro left tackle. I think he can be a Hall of Fame caliber left guard, just like Zach Martin. I think Zach Martin can be an all-pro right tackle. But he's a Hall of Fame right
1: guard. Let me be clear. Are you saying you don't think he can be a Hall of Fame left tackle?
2: I'm not saying I don't think he could be. I'm saying, to state it more correctly, he has better a better chance of being a Hall of Famer at left guard than at left tackle. Why? Let me put it that way. Strength, his anchor, his hands, his build. Um, he has enough athleticism to be dynamic, hence me saying he could be an all pro left tackle, but Tyler Smith in a phone booth is a nightmare. He's an absolute nightmare for those interior pass rushers, for, you know, three techs, the big nose tackles, whatever the case may be. Tyler Smith has strength that many inside guys at this level don't have, let alone guys from the college ranks. When you talk about playing left tackle, when you talk about playing right tackle, strength obviously plays a, a big part of it, but not as much as footwork, hand placement, lateral ability. When you get Tyron, Tyler Smith in a phone booth and you say, beat the hell out of that guy, he can do it. And if you, if you need him to beat up two guys, he can beat up two guys. His presence there also helps your center. So whether your center is Tyler Beatish or someone coming in off the draft, and if it is someone coming in off the draft, guess what? Now they're young, they're a rookie, they need help. Thankfully, they might be bookended by Zach Martin and Tyler Smith. And I know those are saying, and I had a conversation with someone on Twitter yesterday, they say, well, what about T.J. Bass? I think T.J. Bass is a gamer. I think he's the future interior lineman, but not at left. That goes to a conversation that I broached with one of my um, columns this offseason. It's also time to talk about the post-Zach Martin era. I think T.J. Bass is your post-Zach Martin right guard, and that's how you have to view it. So for me, long-form way of saying I keep Tyler Smith right where he is at left guard now because you have an opportunity now to address left tackle so moving him out there would just be a cop out to me it would be you telling me that oh we don't want to address left tackle we're just going to move Tyler out no you no don't do that you do that in case of emergency those times have passed because the season is over it's off season so address it that does way does
3: it change your opinion based on what's the best uh, or most talented player available in the draft depending on the position like if I don't, I haven't gotten into draft. That's not my thing, really. But I don't know what what it looks like right now heading into this year. If there are more guards you or tackles, you, know,
2: you will have a great. Without getting too deep into into the draft just yet, you will have a fantastic opportunity. Depending on how it falls, because we never know how it falls, but you have a great opportunity to get a, a future starting left tackle or a future starting center uh, with the 24th overall pick. So you're in a good spot for that. Now, again, it depends on how the thing falls because if, you know – if somebody who's supposed to be in the top fifteen, and I don't want to say any names shit because I don't want to get too deep into it, drops down to twenty twenty one, then you have to start entertaining maybe a slight trade up or maybe you risk it, but then you go to BPA, so you have a CD Lamb type situation, yeah. right? So barring the CD, right, barring the CD Lamb type situation where it's that blinking light that you have to take this guy, you will have a fantastic opportunity
1: to address left tackle. And I think the thing about it, is Stephen Jones even mentioned this. I think they try to get to the draft every year not having needs. yeah. Uh, their goal is to fill the, their needs with free agency so that once they get to the – even if it's a stopgap-type player, they want to make sure they don't have gaps when they right. get to the draft Which so I that they really can do. look and get the best player available because one thing I know, this is a really, really, really good drafting team. Yes, it team. is. Where they tend to fall short is when you can see them reaching for a specific type of player mm-hmm. or a specific position player. That's where you get into situations where you get a taco. You know, I was going to say you don't they, like tacos. Well, they, they, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they they needed a pass rusher, and they went into that draft thinking we need oh, a pass man. rusher. And then you you and by the way, I don't think it's unique to the Cowboys. I think every team when you put yourself in a position where you go into a draft thinking I got to get this, then what you're basically saying is when you get to that position where you're going to draft, you're basically just looking for the best player at that position, where there could be five, six players that are better players that are mm-hmm. going to have longer careers in the NFL that you even believe are better players that you could take, you just are going to go with the lesser player because you think you need them at the position. I don't like that. At all. I think you have way more success drafting based upon the best player that's available to you. And I would even take it one step further than what you said, Amber. I, I would say – you Do what you need to do now. So if that means you go ahead and re-sign Tyron, whatever the case might be, and then reevaluate after the draft. So if in the draft you happen, it falls to where you got this really great guard prospect, you got this really great tackle prospect, now you can say, okay, we got this really great guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do we want to put him? Okay, Tyler, maybe this is a conversation where we, we may need you to move to tackle. We weren't able to get the tackle that we wanted, but we, we just got, we got a great guard, right? So I think that's what you do is you, you kind of— Cover your bases, Mm -hmm. you go into the draft, you get the best players available, and then you reevaluate to decide where you need Tyler to be. Because, quite frankly, I I know you're saying that that he has a better chance at guard. I don't know that he has a better chance of getting the Hall of Fame at guard more than tackle. I think he's just a Hall of Fame type player. And I think wherever you put him, he probably will be a Hall of Fame type player. What
2: else? So, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what I'll say to to Amber's first point as far as asking him, uh, anyone who's had conversations with with Tyler Smith knows that. if he's presented with the question from McCarthy that says, "Would you rather play tackle or guard?" His response is going to be as follows: "Wherever you want me, coach. Wherever you want me. That's the type no, of way, Tell me who you mean, want me yeah. to beat up, so, and that's, that's what I'm, that's gonna what beat I'm saying." Up. Yeah. So
1: that and,
3: sounds great. But no, no, we all have a preference. <laughs> he, at the end.
1: You true? I know,
3: I know, he's that type of player for sure. For sure, yeah, like 100%. he'll do what you ask him yes. to do. But we all have preferences. Okay, you can't, you can't. I mean, that is a fact. I mean. I, I, that has to be true. I feel like
2: he's he's still. <laughs> there is something that no, he One hundred percent. I just feel like he's still in the the pleasing stage of his career. Yeah. Whereas he, yeah, congratulations he on all pro by the way. Yeah. yeah, but he's not a six time all pro. He's not the Zach Martins of the world, the Tyron Smiths of the world. Where it's like you can, when Zach was approached with playing right tackle, Zach was like, "Well, I'll do it, but I don't want to." Uh, and it did because Zach said he didn't want to, they held off on that as long as humanly possible, right? You Tyler's not there yet, so and I don't I feel like he feels like he's and he knows he's not there yet. So when you go to a, a young guy coming off of year two, and you know, he's gonna be afraid to say the wrong thing. So he's gonna be like, you know, whatever you want me, coach, I'm gonna play. So I, I believe that that's not just like. PR speak for him. Like as it stands, he truly is like, you want me to play tackle? Yeah, I'll play no, tackle he can, and, he, and he can also guard. say
3: something guard. like and now, that might like, hey, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Yeah, I prefer this, but I still do that. Yeah,
2: now now when he gets to year five, if by year five he's been a left guard this whole time and then they're like, Oh, we need to pop you out the left tackle, I bet at that point he'd be like, Yeah, but I'm a guard. Or vice versa, if he's left tackle going into year five, and they're like, we need to move you to guard. He's like, but I'm a tackle. So I think, you know, stripes. Like There's levels to to being able to have that kind of input. So I, I think McCarthy is is in tune with where his players' preferences are, but I think if you're Tyler Smith, you just want to get out there and beat up on some guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just think it's a point well taken. I do think he's earned the respect to be able to at least yeah. be a part of that conversation. And if he has a preference, let it be known. You know how it goes. Sometimes he he may not have a preference because he looks at both of them. And he's like, man, I see some good things about both of them, and I don't really know. So you tell me where you want me to be, right? So who knows? At the end of the day, I think it, I agree with you. I think it's the right thing to at least include him in that conversation because it does probably going to be in a little different kind of body that he needs to have for both those. Position. So you kind of want to get well, some see, some feedback let me from you as well. this. Real quick. Can I, I take a break and then yes, we do go it? Ahead. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back. Patrick has a question for us. We'll see what that is. We'll be back. DallasCowboys.com Cowboys.com <laughs> radio. Todd
4: thought it would be secure to jog in the Cheetah Savannah.
0: supplier of the dallas cowboys visit unitedaginturf.com to find a location near you back to the break
2: enjoy excellent dining boutique shopping and exciting events in the star district in frisco featuring dozens of north texas's best restaurants and shops plus a calendar full of family-friendly events there's always something to shop dine in and do
1: in the Star District. Visit thestardistrict.com for more information. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break. I'm sorry, final segment of the break, live from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're talking about the uh, combine and kind of uh, news coming out of the combine. Patrick, you got a question for us as we're heading into break. I
2: do. So as we're talking about the Tyler Smith discussion, which is a great debate, by the way, uh, I'm wondering what you guys' thought process is on how does the personnel packages for rivals like the Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles, two teams that are stacked on their defensive interior line. How does that impact
1: your decision on where you play Tyler Smith? I personally believe, I don't know that I think it's necessarily stronger one place than the other. I get that they have some very strong players in the interior parts of the defensive lines for all three of those teams, Mm -hmm. but I also think there's some really, really capable players uh, and some of the best pass rushers in the league. You look at uh, at, at Hassan Reddick, and I know we, we we're talking in the break. And obviously, there's there are rumors out there. Maybe he won't end up being with Philly beyond this. I'll believe that when I see it. Fair teams don't usually let go of of outstanding pass rushers. Usually, just to let go. Of, <laughs> <I> <laughs> you
0: know,
3: so so who knows,
1: right? I mean, who knows? But I, I just don't see him leaving. So I guess my point is, I think it's it, really every team invests in their their edge rushers. So yeah, you can talk about just the NFC East. And yes, there are some great interior tackles, some some great tackles in the NFC East. There are also some really great pass rushers. And you look around the league, there are some really great pass rushers. I need to protect my quarterback. And my question then becomes well which one is harder to replace? Mm -hmm. If I put him at guard, is it easy to get a tackle? If I put him at tackle, is it easier to get a guard? I think it's probably easier to find a guard that can work than it is to find a tackle that can work. So when you start talking about it from that standpoint, I, I would also talk about replacement value and how hard that is to replace someone of his skill. What do you think, Amber?
3: Well, it's a good question. Very, very interesting think approach. think about like, and, Eagles,
1: Jordan yeah. Davis, Jalen Carter,
3: Something Jonathan to Nyland, definitely think and
2: Pain in Washington. That's a lot of yeah. heat coming at you on the interior.
3: Um. Yes, totally agree with that and very interesting mm-hmm. but you caught me at a moment in my life where <laughs> <laughs> where,
2: where you're getting up at 4 30 a.m things have changed where it's all
3: about working on yourself and and not the out and not worrying about the outside noise outside like you know if That's you work quality. on yourself like and that. you do what you need to do then you should be able to take on whoever comes in front of you so I think it's a good point, but where my mindset is right mm-hmm. now is how can they be them, their best selves? How can the Cowboys position themselves to be the best? Where is he really going to strive or be more impactful mm-hmm. on the line? And I think also that it's it's very difficult to predict the future and look ahead because we still don't know what other talent they'll be able to get and bring on in here but for example even last year when we were talking about Tyron Smith and the times that he was out it brought to my mind a lot of times where I'm like man just just move Tyler, yeah, move him to tackle because this is the struggle. And they ended up figuring out, and Tyron Smith, after their new workout week-to-week regimen um, and giving him some rest, it turned out that it was very favorable for him. But right now, I'm not worried about what these other teams currently have at pass rusher. I'm worried or concerned, more concerned on what are we doing, what do we <laughs> in self, work I know this doesn't necessarily answer your question. No, it's I a great question. But in the moment, I'm just worrying about me. And, about that, and that's
2: fair. And while you're worrying about you, you also in this league have to prepare for what and you're going to offense. face. Yeah. And when you're talking about the it's, it's an endless battle when it comes to um, divisional foes in the NFL. Whatever one you know team does that excels, that they excel at, the, the next offseason, the other three teams will adapt to it, right? I kind of, in recency bias, I'll con, uh, convert it to the, or um, compare it to the RG3 conundrum, right? RG3 comes in, he's killing it for Washington. Uh, Cowboys were in a 3-4 at that point, and then they turned to a 4-3 to try to stop RG3. So that's just a perfect example of you have to be your best self and build up your best you know, form of yourself but you also have to keep in mind that while you're doing that, Absolutely. who's 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 pulling up on the front lawn? Like, right. And what are their weapons? And are you prepared for the weapons that they're presenting is what I'm saying? So let
1: me ask you this question. I, I understand the NFC East and we've talked about that and I've talked about some of the pass rushers there. Kayvon Thibodeau another guy I'll throw out there in mm-hmm. New York. That's a really good pass. Oh, yeah. rusher. Oh, yeah. That that being said, when you get outside the NFC East and let's also think about what the biggest challenge is for the Cowboys right now. It ain't necessarily the regular season. It's the Mm postseason. So you start thinking about the teams that the Cowboys are going to face in the postseason. Have you considered Aiden Hutchinson in Detroit? Have you considered Nick Bosa in San Francisco? You start looking around that group of teams that you think are probably the teams that are going to be the hardest teams for you to get past. I don't know if you want to talk about Green Bay. Maybe you need to (laughs) after what we saw, right? I don't know. But the point point is, the point is that there are some edge rushers that you're having to deal with that are some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I don't know that you can make the argument there is going to be a harder challenge trying to deal with the defensive tackles that you're going to have to face than there are the, the pass rushers in the NFL.
2: Well, see, and, and and you're not wrong, and that's why, you know, I think we're in agreement in wanting Tyron Smith back for at least another year. Mm-hmm. So Tyron Smith, when he's on the field, he showed you last year oh, that hold
3: he – I'm still thinking
2: okay I'm still considering for th- okay for those of us that are <laughs> we already the, made our yeah, decision for those of us that are on the 77 remains in Dallas train um, you when he's on the field he show you that he can he can play at an all pro caliber a pro yeah. bowl level uh, Tyron Smith can so that's why you want Tyron Smith back in the building and you go and you draft a future as well but Mike, and that's how you handle the Aiden Hutchinsons of the world, the Nick Bosa's of the world, and then you hope that Terrence Steele, having more time removed in a full-off season, another full-off season from the injury, that he's back at form. But for me, as much as it, it matters more when you're going against divisional rivals who clearly have stacked the deck on the defensive interior so that they can penetrate in the middle and—pause— and break up your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, <laughs> that being said— Even outside of the division, if you look around the league, the general football science is that... If you protect, first and foremost, you have to protect the interior. Absolutely. Right, of your of your Very offensive important. pocket. Yep. And then you work outward and you look at your edge guys and say, okay, now handle those guys. So because that's the formula for success on a week the week-out basis, the question then becomes, and again, I've given roses to T.J. Bass as an example. I think that he's a good up-and-comer. Brock Hoffman a good up-and-comer. My question would be, if you moved Tyler Smith to left tackle, can, can, okay, Tyler Smith can handle Aiden Hutchinson's and the Nick Boses of the world and Kayvon Thibodeau's. 100% he can. T.J. Bass has shown that he can be a capable starter, but we haven't seen T.J. Bass consistently go up against the Jordan Davis's, the Jalen Carter's, the you know Jonathan Allen's, the Payne's of the world. So in, until you have that data, you don't have that data. So what we do know is that Tyler Smith, can, and he he did it last year, he basically made Jalen Carter a non-story twice and before Jalen Carter faced off against Tyler Smith he was oh this is a potential rookie of the year look at the campaign he's having and Tyler Smith was like I don't care about any of that that's why I want Tyler
1: Smith to remain at left but I also think that that look at how many times last season we had See, why we were, you were looking to do
2: that Jalen why you
1: make me do that? <laughs> we were looking at tackles last <sighs> year Dawgs. and there were a number of times when it was like okay Ty- Tyron is going to be out and man, I don't can Schuma do it. Ooh, I don't well, know. Well no, we're not like, No no my point my point is how much harder was it for us to replace Tyron Smith than it was when Tyler was out? We found some guards we were like, huh, that guy can play a little bit. Okay. I think it's easier to find replacement guards. Than I think it is a refi- find replacement tackles. That's my point. I just think the replacement value, and that's why if you look at the, if you look at the, specifically, well, yeah. But if you look at the money and how the money spent, that's why teams pay so much more for their left tackle than right. they do if for their left guard. A is because yeah. they think the replacement value on a left guard is not as high. You can go and find a left guard a lot easier than you can find a left tackle. And that's my whole point. Is if you've got a premium guy, and 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 this is the key part, he can and is willing to devote himself to playing tackle. Right then, I think it's a no-brainer to me. I would say you put the guy at tackle because there's more value there, and you know you're going to get something that that's harder to find, and you can replace the guard position a lot easier. Well,
3: also, at guard, I mean, you're in the center, you're in the middle of two people, so you can always potentially get help from right. the center right. or the tackle to whoever is kind of still struggling and not being at their full potential there. But it's a, it's a definitely an interesting. Concept. Also,
2: keep in mind run game too, run game as well. Who's, yes, who, who fair. Open well, that's one, all who, across. No, no, it is all across. But when you're talking about Tyler
1: at tackle versus Tyler yeah. at guard, you're really talking about okay, how does this impact the rushing attack as well? Because there's there's a lot of things you can do with a really good guard. Not only can you go up, you can run up the middle mm-hmm. a lot more, but you can also pull that guard. You can do some stuff yep. on the outside. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more you can do with a, a good running, uh, run blocking guard than maybe even what you can do with a run blocking tackle. So So, yeah, I agree with that. I think there's some value to that, but look, man, you know, I really wish, I really wish there was an NFL world, where you could slide offensive linemen around during the game based upon different alignments nope, and things you want to do. The same looks. thing you do with, with with all the other positions. I think that would be just fun hey, to see cool. to see teams yeah, kind of adapt to way. that. I don't think it'll ever get there, but I do think it would be cool. All right, we appreciate you guys, Jonas. We'll be back uh, next week. We didn't get to the free agency talk. We will get to that next week uh, because free agency sure. will be right around the corner. So we will have to get to free agency next Quiet, week. We'll spend a little hater. time with some of the Cowboys free agents and then.
3: No, no, no! What? Don't end the show. We're not ending with that. I am not a tyrant hater. It
1: was a joke. Hold Did you up. say that? No. Yes. Yeah, I was like tyrant yes. hater. Yes. So uh, let, let no. Yeah. That's
3: how rumors start. It is. And, and, okay. now, and then,
1: and then from here on out, all the fans will be like, "Well, you know, Amber hates Tyrant. Yeah. No, you know, no. of course she hates Tyron. No. It's, yeah.
2: ladies and gentlemen, it's very clearly a joke. <laughs> if you know anything about Amber, she just like the rest of us. We love Tyrant, Hall of um, Famer, future Ring of Honor guy she just is on the line on the fence right now which is fair given the point of his career he's at so let's let's be clear it is fair for anyone who's wondering if they still want him back or not it's fair to have that conversation there are some of us who are ready to go ahead and make the commitment
1: both sides of the argument have uh, have substance, but, but we'll, I get, to just, yeah, I we'll just, get to that next week. We'll get to that next week when we talk about free agency because I do want to have that Relax. conversation. And I don't, I don't know. I'm actually kind of in between you guys, so we'll have. Well, we'll she's have a been really up since four thirty, so she's a little spicy right now. <laughs> Got to get used to that. Yeah, whole she's point a little spicy. Me, you'll right get used now. to it. You'll get used to it. <laughs> I right, appreciate you guys <laughs> yeah. joining us till next week for Patrick Walker and Amber Garcia. I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com radio.